Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Key Michaels. Key is a professional volleyball player having having competed in the top leagues of Europe for 10 years, including Germany, Italy, Turkey and France, with a Champions League silver medal to boot. She was part of the London 2012 Olympic team volleyball squad, as well as working on the media side for NBC at Rio 2016. Now she is combining her love for photography, broadcasting and volleyball on a YouTube channel, as well as on the mic for the A-Space podcast. So welcome on to the show, Key. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, the thanks for that all, grand introduction. <laughs> the pleasure is all mine. So beyond the initial introduction that I've given you there, and obviously we discussed at length off air of something I didn't even know before speaking to you, of what was the transition like from going from the University of Miami where you played collegiate volleyball to kind of not doing any volleyball at all to then being thrust into being in the squad, the, the national team for GB for the, in the preparation for London 2012? Well, that transition was over several years, so it's hard to describe the ups and downs all in one word. But um, yeah, no, I went, I played in university and then I was kind of done with it. I thought that my volleyball career was going to end there. Was, I was happy with it. Um, moved over to Australia, wanted some new things, a new life as it were. And then, yeah, got the call, hey, you know, GB's hosting the Olympics and I reckon you might have a spot on the team if you give it a go. So I just went over, tried out, and then I went pro and I've been going pro. I've been, I've been playing pro for the last 10 years. Crazy how one thing can just change the whole path of your life. Do you think from that basis then, if you don't take that opening in, in, in that, with the door opening with, with London 2012 happening, do you think, and this is a what if, do you think your life goes down a different, an entirely different direction? Yeah, a hundred percent. And we, we spoke about this a little bit off air. I think, yeah, I, I really enjoyed volleyball and it was a part of my life, specifically going through university. But I had so many other things that I wanted to explore and I definitely didn't want to be defined as an athlete my whole life, which now having looked back on it is probably exactly what I have done. But yeah, even now I think, you know what, I have been an athlete and I did do those things that you mentioned before, but I really, I think all of us have a little bit more than just that to offer. So I think I'm really excited just sort of diving into other things, other, other avenues of human spirit and human being at the moment and do you do you think having played in in the in the, with the likes of in germany italy turkey if you had to pick one of them over what how would i word this if you had to pick one country over another 
that you've mm. played in? And this is a difficult question because uh, <laughs> some people probably won't be happy Actually, with, with it's your pretty answer. Easy. If I know what you're going to ask, it's a pretty easy. Question. Which one would you pick? Italy. And why? Well, so for volleyball, which I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with volleyball and the way that it works professionally, but it's pretty low key in most of the European countries, except Italy. And there's a few other, a handful of other exceptions, but I would say Italy is the one that has the best all around. It has awesome fans. It has a super high level. You get paid well, you live well, you eat well. I mean, there's the beautiful country itself, the people, the language. I mean, I'm fangirling a little bit over Italy, but I really, really enjoyed my time there. And I think if you speak to any volleyball players, you'll probably hear a pretty similar answer that it's a, it's a really fantastic place to play. So is it quite difficult from a contract perspective to keep your place in a league such as that then? Um, good question. It's, um, it's, it just, it depends on your club. It depends on your performance. It probably depends on a lot of things that I have no idea about, you know, the uppers who are making the decisions. But um, it's one of those things that once you get your foot in the door, yeah, you really have to prove yourself because they're not, they're not giving away spots for free. You know, it's a very coveted country to live and to play in. And um, I was lucky to play there for two years and then go on to play in Turkey. So I'm glad I had the experience. Um, but I think that's, the awesome thing about playing sport in general is traveling, experiencing different cultures, meeting different people, getting all of the different yeah, experiences that it has to offer. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said, Oh, I wish I had played only in Italy for my whole career because I'm so glad with the people I met and the places I went and the things I've done. And I think any young players who might be listening to this and thinking, Oh, maybe one day I'll go pro. That's what I would recommend. Try a little bit of everything. Don't ever get comfortable. Don't ever just say, Nope this is this is good enough because there's so many things to see and do so on that note then key from from a atmospherical uh, point of view and then the overall experience which would be the pinnacle for you having the four years at the university of miami Ooh. your champions league silver medal solves me the, the final or the experience of london 2012 Ooh, do I have to pick one? <laughs> I mean, I think each one has its own benefits and challenges. I mean, obviously four years compared to just one match, if you're talking about, or, or you know, or one tournament, if you're talking about the Olympics. I think that playing in university shaped me as a person more than just one volleyball match, for example, the Champions League final. I think that it being a student athlete is something really unique to to the states and they have a program as most people probably know that sports is a business in universities in in the u.s and they you're you grow up really fast you you're sort of spoon-fed some in some instances but also you you have to juggle so many different things from school to sport to social life and all the things that come in between so I think over the span of four years, I think players really, you kind of find yourself, you find your, your strengths and weaknesses and you grow up a lot. Yeah. So the diplomatic answer. That. I, I didn't <laughs> choose one, did I? I would say if I had to, if I could only have chosen one of those three things, oh gosh, I don't know because yeah, yeah, we, I wouldn't give up the Olympics either. 
Oh, I know. I, I can't answer. I have That's fair enough. I've been lucky. <laughs> but but beyond obviously the university experience, you've obviously gone to the University of, of Miami, which in itself is a brand. It's yeah. Rome renowned for the, the, the symbol that that that's been created from it mm. so what you're part of um a community that has that privilege of of, of being able to be the the well the figureheads of the university be the, the, the student athletes so being that said do you think from a um a judgment's uh point of view be that what we talked about off air of you being, being thrust in the spotlight that social media that does does do you think those athletes are then put on another pedestal even more uh from a greater perspective because of the reputation that that university has because of a symbol be it the u for the university of miami uh texas with the with the with the lot, lot. do you think that brings because it's synonymous with that university it brings a level of you need to bring a little bit more to the table and you're going to be held to a higher standard than maybe, maybe, uh, and there's no disrespect to anybody else, any, any, any other, any, any, any college that anybody's been to, but maybe a little bit more under the, the under the, uh, under the spotlight. Mm, interesting. Well, I think, well, for example, when I went to University of Miami, social media was not what it is today. I mean, Facebook was a baby. So, I think it's really important for all athletes to consider that everything they do, they're representing their school or their club or their nation or whatever it is. I think you can't get away with any of the shenanigans. I mean, you can, but nothing, none of it can go online. Let's say Um, I would say the university of Miami has always, always because it had a little a bit of a thug reputation for a while and that they had it took a while for them to clean that up but going forward I at least I can speak for myself and my teammates and the people that were at school when I was at school we were absolutely you know we wanted to be upstanding citizens and show our best face and represent the university in everything that we were doing so wearing that you on the chest it was uh it it makes you proud and i think um i don't know if we were held to a higher standard but i i hope that we upheld a high standard if that makes sense <laughs> but do you think from that basis it helped you when you moved to obviously the olympics happening before your professional career did that, do you think that helps you prepare for this, those kind of scrutinies that you were going to face on the Olympic stage and then obviously the professional stage where people are looking for you to make a, any slip up and the, and they will scrutinize you for that. Mm, were we prepared? I think yes, but I wouldn't say that people were looking for us to slip up and, and be scrutinized for it. In fact, almost the opposite because as team GB, we went in as the underdogs. We went as the host country. We were kind of, I feel like we were, we weren't held to the same standard as the rest of the team. There was no expectation of us to win anything, to do anything at all, but just be there and smile and be, be happy that we were part of it. And obviously we worked hard and we put our best foot forward and we did everything we could to be as competitive as possible. But at the end of the day, the teams that we were up against had, you know, 
century long histories in with volleyball in their countries. I mean, if you look at Brazil or if you look at Russia or any of those teams that have a lot of history and money behind their sport, we just, we weren't on the same playing field really as them. So I didn't feel any pressure. I didn't feel any scrutiny. I was just really, really a little bit like wide eyed to play against these kind of this caliber of players. And there were, I mean, I wouldn't say I had imposter syndrome by any means, but I did feel, I looked around and thought, whoa, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm one of the people that's lucky enough to be on this court at this time. And, and it definitely changed my trajectory in life. Did you have to check yourself then on, on, on when, when you have a nut, that kind of thinking of either imposter syndrome and I'm lucky to be here to kind of, well, if I don't get myself in check and focus on the here and now, the game's going to be gone in a blink of an eye. And I'm going to, I'm not going to put words into your mouth, but <laughs> re- regret not having taken every opportunity to get a one, one over somebody that I've idolized. Well, I think it was to our advantage, if anything, because we did go in there with, this is amazing. You know, we had this sort of childlike wonder about us. And, you know, when you, when a child goes headfirst into something, into the unknown, they don't really know what the dangers are. They don't know how they don't know what they don't know (laughs) I guess I could say and so we sort of dove in headfirst into the deep end and these other teams were a little bit on the back foot because they maybe weren't expecting us to get so many balls returned or or to have such such an impact on the court and we we did put some pressure on on a lot of teams that maybe weren't expecting it maybe we caught them off guard but I would say that I've always tried to play with an optimism with an enthusiasm because that's that's when when you enjoy the sport that you're doing that's when you get the most out of yourself I think as a player or that's what I found with myself anyway do you think on that basis then key that you had do you think you had more pressure on your shoulders than at the University of Miami then because of it being more of a sport that is obviously played more be it be than 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 it is in the than the United Kingdom. Do you think because there's more athletes being churned out for be it the club scene and I'm gonna say it's not the AAU, but you know the equivalent of what the AAU is for basketball, but the volleyball scene that there's so many athletes that are gonna go to the collegiate level, so that the level of player is a little bit more rounded versus maybe because you've got no pressure whatsoever at the Olympics, you can kind of let loose. Do you think there was a little bit more pressure on yourself or you put more pressure on yourself at the collegiate level because of biases that you might have versus uh, the, the, this is where f- female sports people, they're more tempted to be uh, looking at their contemporaries as well. They're doing this, they're doing that. Why am I not able to do that? Do you think, be it because you were in that position in the US, there was more pressure vis-a-vis when you're at the Olympics with the, with Team GB that you are the underdog. So whatever we do, people are going to commend you for overachieving. Obviously, you're going <laughs> to hold yourself to a higher standard, but do you think there was more pressure in the US? Well, I don't know if I'm an anomaly, but I don't really feel 
pressure. Like I'll feel nervous and I'll feel um, sometimes out of my depth, but I don't necessarily feel pressure. And maybe that's because I've never been the big point scoring, you know, I'm a middle blocker. So of course there's expectations, but you're not on the court to be the big point scoring machine. So I don't know that I've really ever felt huge pressure in university, in, in pro, in Olympics, in any, in any of these scenarios. And maybe that's because I'm a little bit oblivious. Maybe I'm a bit naive, but I, I kind of, I don't know, as I said, I, I show up with a, with the mentality of, I want to get better and I want to be the best teammate that I can be, but I, I don't feel pressure from coaches. Maybe I've made good decisions in choosing which coaches to play for, but that, or maybe they just realize what they can do to get the best out of me and putting pressure on me is not, maybe they just realize that that's not the way they're going to get the best out of me. So to answer your question, I don't remember what the question was. But do you think? Do you think there was more? Pre- do you think there's more pressure in the collegiate level than than the Olympics, based on the the scenarios and and the circumstances? No. No. As I said, I I see what I see and I feel what I feel, and I didn't feel pressure in either of those situations. Just just pumped to play <laughs> well that's a good place to be at isn't it in terms of and i'll put it like context for people obviously within your entourage i've only felt like that probably twice in my entire sporting career which is that you've always felt pressured instead. no uh, no pressure whatsoever ah, you never feel pressure yeah um and i think mine was uh the 2008 paralympic final which uh-huh. that that is still to this day that's probably the pinnacle for any olympic or paralympic athlete to the major final you should be a little bit nervous or (laughs) i wasn't i'm thinking there's something wrong with me but based on what you said i'm not i'm not i'm not alone in in that way of thinking but i think it does put you in a good position because it's like well what have i got to lose yeah that's i think that's more the attitude is it's not that i don't put any value on on the match or that I don't realize that things are at stake or it's just more of a, yeah, you go into it knowing that it's not pressure from the outside. It's something maybe from the inside that you, you want to do your best and you want to win and you want all of these things that you've worked towards, but it doesn't feel like pressure. Maybe pressure is just the wrong word. Maybe there's something else, self-imposed expectations, but not pressure. Well, I think, I think, I think probably not, pressure is probably not the right word. Like you said, I think it's probably judgment. And I mean, internal judgment as Mm -hmm. you're not, you, you do have more athletes don't normally talk in this way, but obviously you'll hear it in, in general, general, in the general populace of saying, well, I'm not good enough or I don't Mm -hmm. look, I don't look uh, good enough. Well, who's, tell, who's, life, tell, who's telling you that? Obviously, an athlete will be very opinionated. Well, I don't care what you think. It's like, well, see, maybe that's it, though. I've definitely been in that situation where I felt that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't deserve to be there. And maybe that's why I didn't feel pressure because I always had this sort of underdog mentality that I was just lucky to be there and had just sort of just made the team even if that might not be the case you know maybe I was selected first and foremost but I didn't see that in myself which Mm -hmm. in itself is probably a mental hurdle that I've had to overcome through the years 
Do you think playing the the position that you do helps? Because ultimately, you downplayed that in terms of I'm only middle block when when in, I didn't have to play that position. Thankfully, because I'm quite small, but it's a work for people that don't know volleyball. It's probably the workhorse of the team. You you can't guess because ultimately mm. uh, puts a perspective. Because I did play the bear a little bit occasionally. And oh, I'd, well, I'd be horrible. <laughs> I would probably be the first person to shout it if you guessed. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, not being the same gender, but you get where I'm, the drift where I'm coming from. I would be very annoyed with you if you kind of happen to eyeball the setter and you go a different where, different direction. Which happens person. often, by the way. Sometimes you have to give it up. You have to just say, look, I've scouted you. And in 99% of the time, if she does this, She's going to set the ball behind, so I'm going to take one little step that way. And she, she could totally burn you and send the ball out to the pin, but you got to take those risks sometimes. Do you think you're damned if you you're damned if you do, and you're damned if oh, you don't? Yeah, a little bit involved. Well, as a middle blocker, you you are almost expected to be everywhere at all times. If there's a hole in the block, it's your fault. If the ball went around the block, it's your fault. If you I mean, you kind of get used to that, but um, I don't know. I enjoy it. It's a, it's so from that perspective then, and this is a hard question to ask you, Key, who gets the rough, rough, of the, uh, um, I can't think of the word, the rough deal then on that basis, the middle blocker or the lead bearer then? Who who would get the hardest deal for for not doing their job properly? Well, I've never been a libero, so I can't speak for them. Um, I think that would be a really difficult position. But you've got to, like, everyone who's libero just loves volleyball, just loves throwing themselves around and running after crazy shanked balls. So there's a, there's a little bit of that. But also maybe you have to be a bit crazy to be middle as well because we're literally like chickens with our heads cut off. You know, we got to block here and then jump there and then run back there and transition. And but um, we might be getting a bit technical. I don't know if all your listeners are volleyball players. Um, yeah, I think that it's it, volleyball is a cool sport that everyone plays a role and every you can't have any stars on the team really because there are three contacts on the ball every time and you can't do them all yourself. So there have to be workhorses and there have to be sacrifices and there have to be you know point scorers. But that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? <laughs> I think where well, you say that even if you get into the technical uh, nuances of the sport, everybody's played some level of volleyball, be it at, you think? at school. Well, not I mean, in England, surely. Not, no, not, not necessarily <laughs> here, but be it if we say that the mainstays of, of countries you've played at, be it like mm. picnic, beach, true, true, uh, true. just for like the, the recreational sense of, of there is no quote-unquote rules somebody would have touched a volleyball at some point even even in in this country uh, I worked in education for a little bit because of my background with the Paralympic team they wanted me to teach it so thinking okay technically that's going to be very I was I was quite surprised I didn't touch a ball in like we said off air seven years I still had some yeah. of the dexterity it was probably not up to my standards but people were presently well you you, you do it uh, you do things to very proficiently. I won't say very well, but I'll be like be a little bit harsh on myself. Mm. But that's a skill. That's a skill that I you you've probably done longer than I have. I did it for four years. 
and I did it day in, day out. They're going to do it for a little microcosm of that for a couple of weeks. And it's not yeah. a skill that's going to happen overnight uh, to be able to do that. And the balls that they use were probably like lower, lower standard that the grip's a little bit harder to control. Right. So you can't ping somebody for what you talk about, like techn- technicality, like a double touch or something like because it's that more difficult to control right. from that basis. So, but I think people will do and, and that might be a, a sport that might come to the fore. Obviously, what we discussed about what to do with COVID, it's going to be difficult because of mm. the, the cross-contamination with the ball. And it's the same probably with every team sport. They're going to be the last things. And I don't want to burst anybody's bubble. But this is this is probably just common sense speaking. The last things to go back because they're inside and it's having to have multiple people to be able to make it work. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of the girls that I know that have signed contracts for next season, you know, they're already starting to plan their trips back. And, and I think one of the national team, I think it was, um, or no, back at bank, one of the uh, teams in Turkey, I was doing a podcast with one of the girls there. She said they're starting up training in July. Hyper, you know, supposedly they're going to start training in July. I don't know how, but yeah, it's going to be a totally different world when we get back to it. Well, you could do it individually. I saw um, he he was the Brazilian sitting volleyball captain. He's became the, the libero, and he was to he's very um, not synonymous, but he's very active on social media. Mm. And and the other days of lockdown, he was training in his back garden with a wall. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so Alone it is you a, can train all, it is all a sport that you can you well. Even when I was at university and I wasn't with the rest of the guys, and this was in the early days, I used the wall to try and get get better. And obviously, I progressed a lot since the the early days of playing in sports, where I obviously had the opportunity, like 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 yourself, to to make a team. Sorry, there's a dog barking out there. He always comes on as soon every time I want to do a podcast. <laughs> It's all right, but I think I think from that 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 basis, it's just adapting to that that that, that situation, and and I think women's volleyball is very synonymous with that. It's it's not no, there's not one style of play that every country has their own unique way of playing. If you if you haven't seen it, the difference between the women's game and the men's, obviously the men's is very much about power maybe the russian women is very similar and the americans to probably certain extent as well whereas other countries they use what they're good at so be the asians they're i won't say height deficiency but they're a little bit smaller than maybe some of the other countries so they use speed and would you say gb probably look to use bits and bobs and and kind of like a hybrid version of kind of being the best of both worlds with GB? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We Well, our coach, Audrey, she was a big believer that the first touch should be really high, give lots of time to the setter, and then the setter would introduce the speed. So whereas I think Asian countries try and, you know, they'll get the ball in faster to the setter, the setter give the balls fast to the, to the wings, and the whole game is kind of overwhelmingly fast. So we tried to incorporate that a little bit because we didn't have the biggest hitters. We didn't have the most power or the most experience 
or the best ball handling skills. So we had to have a bit of a hybrid of what would work. And we tried to find areas of the net that weren't necessarily commonplace for lots of attacks. And we would try to do like pop-up attacks. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but we'd kind of have the middle blocker and then the, the pipe would come in just right behind. So as, as the middle was jumping with our middle, the pipe would just sort of come up right behind and, and try and score that way. And try, we tried to be a little bit sneaky and find some non-traditional methods of scoring. <laughs> I think something that we did as well with the Paralympic team, we looked to utilize what we had at our disposal from player perspective, mm. take bits and pieces from other teams that we played against over the, over the, obviously it was a credit to us. Once we got knocked out, a lot of teams were replicating what we'd done. So it's like, okay, we've invented now a new style of play that other countries are adopting. So you would probably, that's probably a legacy from London 2012 that probably left in, in the, in the, in the Paralympic version itself that we've implemented this style of play. And it's and it's and it and countries haven't thought about it. So also be it even um what was it, one of the countries who ended up finishing silver medalists using plays that we ran. So thinking, well that's kudos to obviously the, the coaches and the players actually going about and, 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 and executing that to kind of saying, Well, mm. a medalist team probably taking it up a level and and utilizing it because oh well, we've never thought about running it that way to be able to, um, oh, what's the word I want to use? Uh, see, a, kind of, um, take advantage of a, a limitation in, in the opposition, whatever defense, or because it's yeah. not the, the original way of doing it. Yeah, you have to be a bit creative and exactly sort of look at what your, strengths are and play to your own strengths and try and find the weaknesses in what appears to be an otherwise impenetrable team and yeah just get creative well it it is it is down to belief isn't it because ultimately the the court dimension is the same for for both teams you can't um necessarily take up every space at the net you can't keep everything off the floor because people uh, make mistakes. People, um, obviously there's deflections and all sorts. You can't take away every free space on the court, irrespective of how good you are or how good the team is. Yeah. And that's a bit what I was talking about earlier is that you have to, in volleyball, you sort of give up some bits. Like you'll scout a team and you'll say, right, they hit, 80% 80% of the balls this corner. So I'm just going to, we're going to leave that other area of the other side. we just leave it undefended. And if they hit there, bravo, good for them. Next point. You you kind of have to take that, that approach. So do you say that's analysis or guesswork? Analysis. So you give license to, and this is probably, and I might share this with the person because I he used to get a rough deal because he's one of the younger ones because he'd guess. And you're thinking, well, you've guessed. But how do you know? How do you know he's guessing? On it, because he would be, he would hold his hand up and say, and and be brutally honest and say, "That's what I've done." It's like whereas maybe somebody older, I I was, I was three foot, but two, three years old, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, "No, 
That's, uh, yeah. that's generally what he does. Case exactly. in point, what you've said. That's why I did it. No, I haven't guessed, but that's probably not, that's, uh, use for ex- exuberance and naivety. It's like, no, yeah. I'm not going to give you the answer that you want right. <laughs> to justify the means. I'm going to give you, this is why I chose to do this type of action mm. based on the homework that I've done. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's a split second decision, especially in blocking. And if you've watched enough video and you've done enough analysis and, and you see what's happening in front of you and you make a decision based on all of that experience and what you see, it, in his mind, it might have been a guess, but actually an educated guess, which mm-hmm. is which is not. Oh, no, I won't give him that license. <laughs> but that's probably being harsh which, to him. <laughs> Yeah, but that's kind of what you have to do in the middle. You kind of get, otherwise you'll, if you're too hard on yourself, you, you, it's it's impossible. You've got to give yourself a little leeway. But do you think it's it's even harder because it's like a, a cryptic sport in terms of what I mean by that is they are so good at their craft, the setter, mm. that they can do the best ones, obviously, whatever they want with the ball. I could go forward, back, yeah. sideways, and you've got to make one decision in the split second of an eye and you, you'll you just, for example, be it just using three, there's more, but you obviously, like I said earlier, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, you don't most of that from a, a percentage wise was that you got a 40% chance of being right on average. Uh, I don't know what the, what the numbers would be, but um I don't know. Well, it's probably enormous amount because the, the what what the you've got probably infinite combinations. So it probably mm, mm. it's probably even the number is probably even lower than that. But in terms of making the right decision, it is quite difficult because ultimately they're looking at you as well. Yeah. And their their goal is to trick you. So if they do, they've done their job. And if they don't, you've done your job. So somebody has to lose, right, in that situation. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's where experience comes in. And, and maybe just when you see as much volleyball, if you watch as much volleyball as possible, scouting and just years of experience, you maybe can get a little bit of an, an edge over the setter in that way. But then again, Maybe not because she can really disguise where she's going with the ball. It's difficult. It's difficult. Do you think you've got better at your craft then, from a from a statistical? (laughs) It's hard to say because I'm sort of on the verge of retirement at the moment. So I think you get to a certain point where you can trust your instincts, but then you get to another point where you can't trust your body. <laughs> so maybe your instincts are correct, but your body's letting you down because you're a little bit slower. You're jumping a little bit lower than you used to, you know, not as powerful, not as strong, but so there's kind of like a balancing point where one starts to increase and the other one starts to decrease. Do you think you had a tendency to start to cheat then a little bit more then to, to make up for that, that limitation? Um, I don't know about cheat. Like, 
I, I feel like taking one step in one direction, which you, is that what you mean by cheating? That's what I mean. Cause I, I yeah. obviously you get the so concept. You... I don't mean literally for everybody else. I don't mean literally uh, trying to <laughs> not, not dr- cheat, drug cheat the game or cheat the system. <laughs> I mean, as in taking a step in one direction or the other right. to gain the advantage that you well, put yourself in a better position. I'd say when, when you're as a younger player, you'd maybe wait too long and you'd cheat at the last minute and then you wouldn't have, you'd be off balance and you wouldn't have, your momentum would be going the wrong way if she then did send the ball out to the pin. So then you'd be late to the block. Whereas as as I got older, I realized, okay, if I take a cheat step a little bit earlier and then I'm still rebalanced, I've I've gained that little bit of step for the one side that I think she's going to go. But if she goes the other way, I'm still in balance to make a complete um, block step and close the block to the outside. Theoretically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in reality, if it actually always panned out that way is, is a different story, but you sort of get smarter in your, in your cheating as you, as you get older. But do you, do you think that you, you, you've, do you say on that note then you've lost a step so you need to a little bit have a combination combination of the two then now at the latter end of your career well in that scenario I'm just assuming that maybe 80% of the balls are going in the direction I think so it's only a 20% chance that the ball is going to go in the other direction and I've sort of I've just given I've given that away as, as saying like I might be late to the outside but I definitely won't be late to close the block where she sends the ball 80% of the time. You know what I mean? There's sort of a give and take in the, in the reading of the game and the, and the analysis that you've done beforehand that you just accept that this is where you cannot be late. This is where you cannot give up, but in those 20%, okay. That sort of thing. No, well, that's a fair, that's a fair, fair um, perspective of giving people, or it gives probably the younger up and coming Volleyball players, uh, all you volleyballers out there, <laughs> to, to aspire to 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 be. Obviously, the coach isn't going to be happy that in in either either sense. But I think as athletes, you, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Anyway, so y- and you, it just comes back to if you've done the homework beforehand, and it's not a guess; it's an educated guess because you have to because it, you're giving yourself for the eighty percent chance you've gone the right way. You've given yourself a, a leg up. So I think it's a it's a game of numbers, and I don't I don't think coaches could be upset with that. But that's the thing you learn as you go, and the more experience you get, the more you, you're able to make these decisions. And coaches will trust you to have made the correct decision, even if the ball goes in the other direction. No, I think that's a fair estimation. It gives people some context. But on 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 that one, and moving swiftly on, do you think? Do you not want to talk about middle blocking all day, all day long? Because I got more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> Why well, only did it? In tra- I only did it in, in, in practice or training. I'm just we, nervous that, that you have like a broad audience, and some people will be like, "What is she talking about? Step in direction? What cheating? What?" <laughs> it's, it, yeah, but it gives somebody. Well, if they don't know, it's an opportunity to learn something new. There we go. Exactly. This 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 is. Uh, Time enough, be bored, <laughs> learn about, learn about a, a, a new sport. And, and some may have done it and done it at high school or uh, junior high and haven't, haven't touched the ball since. They might want to be reacquainted to it. You know, you never, you never, you never know who, who, 
who it'll have an impact on. So I think anyone that, who's listening to this, make sure you send one of us a message and let us know that we've we've really brightened your day with all our volleyball chat. <laughs> well, it's laughing and joking, so it, it should bring a smile to people's uh, day. It should be uplifting. Um, yeah. But do you think from from a volleyball perspective now? Uh, as a whole, and obviously this is your opinion, do you think it is more sportsmanlike or gamesmanlike than other sports? Ooh. Well, I don't really have experience in other sports. I played basketball a little bit when I was younger, but I mean, it varies from player to player. In general, I would say it's quite a well quite a respectful sport I would say that people are switching up teams so often that you can't really afford to be that you know that brazen towards your opponent because the very next year you might be teammates so there's there's quite a level of respect from player to player and team to team so yeah I think it's quite quite a sportsmanly game do you think because of I think the rules change after I left a little bit as well and you know from like the the yellow cards and red card perspective because that is in place that mm. you as a player won't step out of line be it like a basketball player uh i'll use that you i alan iverson was the easiest one to use like be he stepped over a player after he scored on that opponent be you're not allowed to taunt after be it a big block or you know like over over celebrate yeah. beyond that well, because of the the what could happen well, naturally, there's there's a barrier, right, between your team and your opponent. So there's not really there's no physical contact. There's no there's no opportunity to make a display of dominance over your opponent, other than just volleyball wise. Yeah, well, the and, net's not and, that thick, though. In fairness. Well, you yeah, but you're not really coming into contact with each other. You can see each other. You can say a little something, something if you feel like if you feel like it, but um. But then the other thing is, as soon as you score the point, the tendency is for everyone to turn around and celebrate within their team. There's no, you don't have to scream across the court. You don't have to, you know, it's not some big field where there, everyone's mixed up. It's really the point scored and then everyone comes together and this is the team celebration. So there's not really that much space for taunting or for being aggressive like, physically against your opponents. Yeah, I think you do. Or, or but do, I think do you, you don't, disagree? Do you have? I think I, I disagree. First? I think I disagree. But then I didn't play in that. All in right, that role. story time. It's, Go it's on my, then. It's my perceived perception of of whatever blocker uh, of there is that you do kind of make a subtle gesture, be like you said, a, a passing comment to the opponent. Uh, obviously the noise of I've, I've blocked you. Uh, and then, <laughs> then, then obviously the, it's the ego that takes over either side for that momentary animal, animal probably instinct of, well, I've, I've bested you for that point and I'm going to show, I'm, maybe, maybe it happens more in the male side of the game where yeah. it's like, where I've got to puff my chest out. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it's, it's natural as a, as a competitor to sort of, as you say, puff your chest out and show them who's boss. But I think it's, it's, in my experience, it's always been done in a respectful way. And every once in a while, I mean, there'll be a couple of 
words here and there, but it's not the same as, I mean, basketball, you, you know, the very next point, someone gets elbowed in the face and it's like, oh, okay, he's angry. He's angry about something, you know, but there's, there's no chance to do that in volleyball. Well, it's a bit, yeah, what, what, what about hitting one of the defenders in the face? That, that would be probably your only... Yeah, but you can't do that on purpose. I mean, you could try, but that's... that's oh, it's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to do. Um, yeah. I think a few people have done it to me in the, in the time, but obviously the ball's gone back. It's gone back. I don't know. I only have, I think I've been training. I got hit in the face, but that's because I was a bit late. But mm-hmm. I think we ended up winning the point. And I don't know. I don't know how. I must hit the knee and the square in the nose and manage to go in the air yeah. to the right place. But I I've seen of... it. I've I've seen it before where someone will attack and the block will send the ball back and it'll hit her on the face and go back over the net and land on the other court. That would, that would be a bad one. But it's frustrating, probably, as the hitter that happens because it's like, well, I've done everything I did. No, but the hitter gets the point in the end. She hits, she gets blocked. The block hits her in the face. Ah, okay, like that. So she eventually, she does score. Well, you can't defend that. So the blocker does their job, but because her head gets in the way. You don't expect that to happen. So that's kind of a mystery one. It's like, well... Yeah. I don't know what you want me to do, coach. That's (laughs) not going to happen 99% of the time. Yeah. So I think from that basis, yes, you've got to be reactive and proactive to things. But do you think that's ever going to happen? No. So I think it's you can't you can't even prepare for that eventuality. Maybe maybe there on after you could probably replicate it, but is that likely to happen again? Very <laughs> slim. I hope not. It's kind of embarrassing for everyone involved. <laughs> Well, the hitter doesn't care. Yeah, if you got if you, hit and then you got blocked directly into your face, yeah, but you, still, you wouldn't you, care. Yeah, but you still get it on the stat sheet, though. You still get the kill. points, but you got blocked in into the frontal lobe. <laughs> yeah, but that's you got to get off the high horse with that one. It's like, yeah, the ego can put the, the ego, ego would be the, would, the ego would take a bit it's of a like cash. that can take a, a back seat. <laughs> we won the point. Get over it. Get over yourself. <laughs> Obviously, if that was me, I wouldn't be very happy. But that's, that's, yeah, that's, exactly. that's a different story. <laughs> I'm so sad. I don't know. I'm okay. No, it has. I think it has. A, it happened in other sports where the referee referee pulled me up. Do you, do you? And this is when I was playing uh, rugby league later on, and said, "Oh, do you want to tr- do you want to try or do you want the penalty?" Oh, he scored. And obviously, I worried about myself because I got horse coloured. So that's all I cared about. It's like, well, I've I've had somebody, quote unquote, really cheat because it's not allowed to do things like that in 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 any sport, and I'd completely forgot about the the pass that I've given. <laughs> so when he says, "Oh, uh, no, I'll take I'll, I'll take the decision that you've given," and, and <laughs> that didn't happen, but it does. It is that animal instinct that I talked about earlier. You you do forget about what's happened there on after, be it the person got hit in the face and the team got the point, but you will manner you will keep fixating on well, the judgment factor of the implications of what's just transpired with me. 
and everything mm. else there and after is like on um, autopilot. Well, I didn't. Oh, did that? Did it? Ha- did it? Did that actually happen? And you forget. Yeah. Yeah, we're all a bit self-consumed in general. But do you think okay. uh, uh, from that perspective, though, Key, that I think has, has sport given you a, a different perspective? And I'm coming from a different direction now with this, but on the same topic, that you're able to compartmentalise. Between sport and non-sport? Or no, life but, and volleyball? Between life and sport, life, uh, different factions of life being... Obviously, people will exa- exacerbate and blow things out of proportion from time to time uh, uh, in life. Do you think using sport as a vehicle enables you to be better at that, to kind of analyze things to kind of, well, that's not really a big deal. Yeah. Well, I think, I think sport in general is really good for, yeah, for, for sort of putting things in perspective just in a grander sense, because as soon as you get out there and you, you, you have these, experiences with your teammates and you're bonding and you have you know adrenaline running and there's there's all these emotional experiences that you then when you come back to real life let's say for me at least things sort of seem downplayed you know maybe I feel this specifically if I'm you know during the day if I'm leading up to training you know maybe something will bother me or be upset about and as soon as you get into training all of that kind of disappears and I think sport's really good at just switching your brain off from problems in life and mm-hmm. letting you sort of get your get your energy going in the right direction and then everything I always feel better after training even if it wasn't a great training even if I didn't feel like I had ticked all the boxes and played my best volleyball ever I always feel yeah re, reinvigorated afterwards so people will be interested and this has been my penultimate question to you then um what are you doing now then to be able to facilitate that? Because obviously, no, well, obviously, sports are starting to try and come gain some normality. Be I think horse racing's gone back, football's mm. Germany's gone back. Uh, it's not long off. Uh, I think it's next week in here in the UK. But for obviously your sport, is be, be to be more specific, what are you using now to kind of? keep you grounded to what you talked about during the lockdown well good question um so I obviously haven't been playing volleyball but I've been trying to stay in shape on my own schedule I'm not obviously not at 100% but I'm definitely you know running and doing a little bit of working out but I feel like it's a really good time for creativity more than the sporting side of it I've been really enjoying this extra free time to sort of dive into those, the things that we talked about just in the beginning, you know, YouTube, podcasting, making videos, making creative, using this creative outlet that once was maybe a sporting outlet and now trying to turn that into a creative outlet. And, and it's, it's so strange to talk about life after volleyball because it's coming up, it's coming up quick, but yeah, I'm just sort of trying to combine all of this knowledge that I have of volleyball and of experience as an athlete and trying to put it into 
digestible information on on the internet for for maybe the next generation coming through that's saying you know how can I get to that level how can I have that kind of experience what do I need to do and there's obviously you can't just there's no one magic formula there's no one word to say or just hard work because that's kind of a bit cliche but yeah it's I've been I've been having fun sort of dabbling in different outlets as a sports person but not on the court if that makes sense yeah. And I know I said that was a penultimate question, but I will, will do the, this is the penultimate question. Now, <laughs> and, I, and I haven't done this for a few episodes, but I'll bring it back in. If you are to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, who would you like to sit down and why? Any athlete dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Such a good question. Um, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You put me on the spot. I don't want to say the typical, you know, I, I, I guess the first that comes to mind would be someone like Michael Jordan, but I think that's because I was a big fan of Space Jam growing up. <laughs> and not necessarily to do with the basketball, but the fact that he was, I really loved the Looney Tunes and he was, you know, so he was a celebrity to me, not because of his basketball, but because he was in a movie with, with Bugs Bunny. <laughs> like, that's really sad to say, but that's probably, um, that's probably who I'd choose. Well, that's fair enough. That's it, it's probably showing <laughs> your age a bit as well. And I, I, I'm probably that era as well, but. Did you know, if you go onto the Space Jam website, it's literally just a portal into time. It, they haven't updated it since the movie came out. And that was what, like 90, two or something like like no, early 90s it's, it's, it's probably mid 90s yeah you some, some, little, something like bit. that but if you go on it's just you know everything's real pixelated and they're sort of like yeah but that's, re- what, that's what stuff was like yeah exactly like, something well 25 years <laughs> uh, well they keep talking about making a remit uh a, a, a second one and yeah they, they, got, they, well, they need to do it soon because lebron james is almost retired but is he they do make well, he does, he's 30, early 30s, but obviously I think he's like playing since he was 18 is going to take his toll at yeah, that level, yeah. playing uh, as long. Um, yeah. But it's got to probably things, the stars have got to line. What is it? Is the is sequel as good as the original? That's obviously a topic for another, for another day uh, with that one. <laughs> But obviously, um, obviously, I like to end the, the episode with this, this question to all my guests. Okay. So if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? <laughs> That's so hard. Um, all right. I would, can I make it a paragraph instead of just a sentence? Yeah, absolutely. You, you've asked the say... question, so I'll give you the floor. I would say that, um, yeah, sports is, whether it be volleyball or whatever sport that you choose, I think it's a really awesome outlet for not only not only physically, but learning so many things about yourself and becoming a more well-rounded person. I think I, I gravitate towards other athletes because I know that we have a shared experience of life and a sort of a probably a sort of a similar outlook on life and um 
yeah I think all kids should get into it at an, at an early age and you can learn a lot from from a life as an athlete <laughs> so once again I don't know if that sums it up or if that was something completely totally off topic that we hadn't even touched on but uh that's that's it well that's your summary it's your you, that's, 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 what you, that's, that's what you think it was that's fine I'm not gonna mostly we just it. talked about cheating in the block <laughs> well that's why I had to kind of contextualize it because a lot of people might think of cheat cheating yeah, yeah yeah so on that note thanks again Key, for coming on the Mindset Athlete podcast thank you and I hope uh anyone listening if they want to reach out if they Honestly, like I'm really always open to chat to people about volleyball or just about sports in general, and they can they can check out my YouTube channel, which is kind of embarrassing, but also kind of fun. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, I love meeting new people, <laughs> new athletes. And thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Oh, it was my pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do like. Kai and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at VB underscore Kai. So that's VB underscore CI and at James O Roberts 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And like we said in the episode, we'd love to hear from you. So if you had any additional questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out her YouTube channel, Kai Michael. So that's C I M I C H A E L. Also, as usual, don't forget to check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find over on Facebook by typing in the Mindset Athlete. And last but not least, and not forgetting, I've also rebranded my other Facebook group to adapt, master, and improve your exercise and diet to help you lose 10 plus pounds. So make sure to check out those links. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, thanks for listening. And I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.